The court is back in session. Thank Be you, seated. Mr. Thank you, Mr. McFarland. Good afternoon again, counsel, and welcome to the court. Um, appreciate your patience for a brief break there. Um, with the second case on the docket this afternoon is the uh, Devonwood Lock Lawman Lake Association et al. versus the city of Fayetteville. Um, are there any preliminary matters to come before the court before we get started? Is there multiple counsel that will be addressing? Do you want to divide your time, counselor? Or? Um, yes, I'm, so I've selected to have 20 minutes initially. My time, my opening. Right. And then my co-counsel, actually, Mr. Webb, could not be here today. He had pre-planned business, went out of town. Yes, sir. Just be me arguing, Your Honor. Just you? Yes, sir. Just a gentleman from my office. But my, you'll see on the pleadings, I have a co-counsel. We're in different offices, but we share a building. He's not here. So you'd like to reserve 10 minutes for rebuttal? Yes, Your Honor. Okay. You have that, Mr. And on, the, on your side, are you going to be dividing your argument or not? Yes. Keith Johnson for the city, uh, Your Honor. Uh, city Attorney Michelle Williams. She's also counsel of record. Just wanted to point out that she's here. I'll be splitting uh, the argument with my associate, Ms. Stephanie Johnson. Okay. Well, uh, I'll let you keep a track of your own time, and whenever you want to move forward with her, her taking over, that, that'll be fine. You each have 30 minutes, and Council will reserve 10 minutes of your time for rebuttal. And just one procedural thing, Judge Tyson, I can um, just make sure the parties are aware the order allowing the amendment to the record on appeal um, was allowed this morning. I don't know if you can make sure everybody. We all both aware of that? Yes, I was, Your Honor. Okay. okay. All right, then we'll hear from the appellant. Pleases the court. My name is Matthew Van Horn. I represent, um, my office represents all the plaintiffs, but in particular, um, relevance today are the four HOAs. They're the primary plaintiffs. So good afternoon, you. Good afternoon, Judge Wood, Judge Tyson, Judge Murphy. Um, so what, what we're asking you, this court to do, you know, we're here on an appeal of a motion, of an order granting a motion to dismiss from Cumberland County Superior Court. We're asking you to overturn that order and send the case back to Cumberland County Superior Court. As, you, as your honors know, that a motion to dismiss, the, the, it, was, it was the other side's motion to dismiss, the city's motion to dismiss, there's a very hard, high um, bar as far as meeting the standard for that, um, for having that granted. Today, we're here de novo, they moved the motion to dismiss was moved under Rule 12B1, which was personal jurisdiction basis. The second one was subject, it's 12B2, subject matter jurisdiction basis. And then a 12B6, which is, uh, your honors probably know, is the failure to state a claim. Um, Before you get started, I just want to ask certainly. a clarifying question that, that may just yeah. help me set the stage <coughs> for the rest of your argument. Certainly. In your complaint, now, now in state court, are you seeking relief for what happened or what is happening and it, you believe may happen in the future? Okay, that's, uh, that's frankly where I was going to start. I was going to set the table with where are we today, where have we been since, and we all can agree these four dams overtoppled. So where there used to be lakes, there's now dry land. Now I will contend each of these lakes have, it's, it's mother nature, right? Each one has certain different circumstances. What we, what 
you know, and it's also evolved because it is Mother Nature. But the biggest issue right now, the most compelling issue, is that this infrastructure that's called NS4, it's the culverts, it's the infrastructure that transfers or manages stormwater for the city when there's development. That's, that, that NS4 infrastructure is directing stormwater onto my client's property. Now before the lakes overtop or the dams overtoppled, the water was going into water. Stormwater's coming down, it's entering into a lake, so that was doing its job. The lake was designed to filter the water. Cumberland, uh, the Fayetteville area has 40 plus lakes. They're intertwined. It's sort of, a, the issues kind of get, so, so to, to Judge Murphy's question, the, it, I, I, we can all probably suspect and agree that, that, that the city of Fayetteville would not have designed a plan to send this stormwater onto my client's dry land which is now their backyards. They did so because there was a lake there. There were four lakes there. There's one of them actually has an upper lake. And there's, there's 40 plus lakes in, in, in the Fayetteville area. Only one is owned by the city that's used for these purposes. And so they're all intertwined and they're interconnected. The four that, I'm, that we're representing, now it's just, as you can imagine, craters where there's no lake, but the NS4 systems, these pipes, if you will, and we submitted pictures and videos. It's part of the record here, but it was originally submitted in state court where you can see the pipes are dumping water, not into a lake, but into a backyard. Do you have documentary exhibit numbers for those photographs? I know I, we've got about 250 pages, and I don't recall any video exhibits I don't, I, I don't have them. I, I did not okay. plan on having any demonstrative evidence. The thought occurred to me, but I don't have those. With, okay. I mean, but the, the point is it's a factual issue. Um, it, what is pertinent is they, they had an expert that they've referred to who did a study, this folks out of Texas. And they, they, their, their, their scope of work and what their opinion was was this was Hurricane Matthew and it, they, they argued basically were precisely in the issue of proximate cause. And the reason I'm telling you this, they found, hey, th this would have happened regardless. These dams would have overtoppled regardless of whether stormwater was being disseminated into these lakes and not managed. Because these lakes, one of them was annexed back in 96, the other three in 2006. So that's what their expert said. But what was pertinent about what the expert was asked about and, and didn't really have an opinion about what, the expert had an opinion about what we were just talking about, which was legally, if the lakes are there, those lakes are defined legally and statutorily or regulatorily as waters of North Carolina, waters of the land. So they can, you know, whether it's snow melting or rain, the water runs in there and the city is controlling that water coming from, let's say, an apartment development a mile away, the city plans and pathways, that's the, the excess stormwater that is now generated by an apartment complex or a new one which has been permitted by the city to my client's property, one of their four properties, or other private lakes. So the state is certainly using these lakes as part of the infrastructure, as they should. The, 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 the properties of the soil in this area are sandy. 
But ultimately, this water, the stormwater in Fayetteville, goes into the Cape Fear River. So that's the, but the expert who also has issued the opinion on whether on the proximate cause issue that the other side has relied on in the, did so in the federal case um, and now continues to rely on, the point was made that when the lakes are there, it's, it, it's legally proper what they're doing as far as a you know, as far as a continuing trespass claim or a continuing nuisance claim, because the water is being directed into pre-existing land waters of the United States or North Carolina. Now there's no water there, so they rendered or they're rendering this land useless for my clients, which goes to condemnation claim. But they're also damaging it over time. It's, it's undermining the properties. Let me ask this: Are the allegations that to try to illustrate stuff, but are the allegations that here's the lake, sure, right? No longer there. That the stormwater is still coming here and ruining this, or that it's coming through and ruining out here as well? Or are we talking about this based on the complaint? For the most part, that, and for the record, inside, inside your circle, okay. the link, but where the land now is dry. Now, if you can just because sometimes it's difficult to conceptualize, that is HOA-owned land. The neighbors, or the, the HOA members, own their individual parcels of land which back up to that lake. So in some circumstances, it is undermining because the pipes come under and around these lakes through the plaintiff's properties and then ultimately into where the lake was, it is undermining and causing damages, or it's causing damages to separate places outside of the square, but generally speaking. For the purposes of 12B, where is that part in your complaint? Not the evidence, not what discovery might show if we're at summary judgment, but in the complaint, where is that? Well, it's contained, you mean, from a, from a claim? From an allegation standpoint. Oh, well, I mean, I, 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 where it's, I, let me do it in reverse order if it pleases the court. It's, it's in our claims for um, continuous nuisance and continuous trespass. Um, and I can think it be, it's conferred. I don't, I mean, I can cite it, Your Honor, but I'd have to, I have the complaint over here. But there's a, I mean, under. I'm looking no, at the recurring trespass. It seems to be, have been damaged. It seems to me talking about past tense. Okay. Um, and let me check the negligence real quick again. I would say record page 25, maybe paragraph 68F may suggest that by using discharging, um, could be using kind of the present sense and future tense. I'm at record 24, paragraph 68, and I was, I was looking at mainly, or sorry, pop of 25, uh, 68F. I see. 
I do understand, you know, generally where the question's coming from because it is an ongoing. Because to me, it gets uh, really into the statute of limitations concern that that was raised and okay, well, what, what might die with statute of limitations, what might not die outside of your other arguments. I understand. Okay, fair enough. It, out. The con but but <laughs> on the statute of limitations claim, the continuous a continuous nuisance or trespass claim. It, it, that's been we've briefed that in the in in, a, in our opening brief it was briefed um, and I believe we've addressed that that it's an ongoing issue in other words every time it rains there's <laughs> there, there, there's these the water flows onto my client's property it's not it, it that, that the law says in situations of continuous nuisance continuous trespass such as this there's not a it's not a garden variety statute of limits limitations defense like a car wreck or well isn't it garden variety for damages but not for injunctive relief the way i've understood it is yeah. you, you after three Fair enough. two years or three years you stop being able to collect damages but you can still make them move it why still, still make them make make the action stop make the trespass stop you can still get your injunctive relief at that point, up until adverse possession period. Right, and, and, and to your point, I, it, there is issues with duplicative, we can't double dip on damages, right? If if the court, this, if the state court ultimately were to enjoin them and say, you gotta move your pipes, or you, or you gotta remedy the situation by putting the dam back, then it's hard for my clients to claim damage to property any longer. Does that, in other words, if there's been damage and it's showing through destruction of, you know, raw land or diminution of value of their property. If, if the city then fixes the problem or is enjoined to say you can't have a pipe dumping water on these people's property, then I don't think, then I think we're stuck with that result, right? We can't then say, well, when you need money damages as well. Does that, does that, I, th I think, I mean, that's what we've been faced with in this case. Um, and it also points, you know, I, you know, a lot of these matters are like a lot of things bureaucratically and otherwise involve, you know, are, are threshold, you know, at they, decisions get made when there's certain thresholds crossed. Um, right now, um, the, the, the position of the city, I think is untenable and they're only dealing with four lakes now, but if the, if this keeps happening, at some point they're going to have to address it. They annexed my client's property and begin collecting taxes on it. And then they ex and then they opted into the stormwater program, which based on the recent number, based on numbers we received in discovery, they collect $11 million from, from the stormwater program. And on these dams on these properties have, it's, it's, it's it, again, it's issues m multiple fold. You have the, now you have empty parcels of land with water getting dumped on. But there's also the city used these dams and lakes to run pipes through, through, some through the bottom of the lake, some through the dams, in order to save money. They've got enormous benefit instead of having to go around the lakes, go through them or through the dams, when they're say growing a neighborhood or developing homes adjacent to the lake. So, Mr. Van Horn, let me yes, sir, Your Honor, go back and try to get a little more foundation. Certainly. I read Judge Dever's order from yes, the federal sir. court, and I know that you were in there on a Fifth Amendment claim. Yes, 
1983, right, 82, 42, using 42 USC 1983. On the basis of a condemnation, taking, taking. private property for public use. Judge Dever, um, uh on the federal claim, ruled that there was no evidence of causation. But, and I know that you tried to append your state claims to the federal claims, and he expressly did not entertain those. In fact, uh, his order, um, his order on remand says, plaintiffs remaining, I'm on page uh, 53 of the record. Yep. Last full, uh, last, next last paragraph. Plaintiffs remaining claims involved seven hotly contested and unsettled issues of state tort law. And then it said thus um, that he's re uh, dismissing those. The court declines to exercise supplemental jurisdiction uh, on the remaining state claims. The court dismisses without prejudice the plaintiff's state law claims. You see that? I do. So when it came back and you went in state court um, and the posture that's before uh, Judge Pittman, I understand that there was expert testimony that the breach of the dam from uh, the hurricane would have happened regardless. That's that's what their expert said. Nichols and Freeze is yes. their expert, and I believe it was it was submitted before Judge Pittman. Right. Mm -hmm. So I understand, and then there's also another issue that you have regarding that Judge Dever's adjudication uh, acted as some issue or uh, issue preclusion or claim preclusion on your state law claims too. Uh, that's another defense that the city is asserting as a basis to sustain or affirm Judge Pittman's order. Mm -hmm. I guess my question comes down now, if the homeowner association or the owner of the fee below the, the lakes or the, or the- Which is now dry land which is now dry land. I would presume there's still a stream going through them. I think the, the definition or is tributary. Right. Now, at times it's dry as a bone. It's the natural, it's when that stormwater comes through, it goes to the lowest gathered area. Is there any, and you might not know this, yeah. is there any portion of your client's property, the homeowner association, that is above the 100-year floodplain? That's a great question. We don't know that. I don't know that as I stand okay. here. But you, you're not, it's not shown that all of your client's property is within the floodplain, correct? There's no evidence of that? No, sir, Your Honor. Not to my knowledge. Okay, now let me switch gears a little bit. Certainly. Um, the law in North Carolina before 1986 was surface water is a common enemy, and every landowner could do whatever they wanted to do to avoid the negative consequences. That Pendergrass. And then Pendergrass versus A can change that. And we went to a reasonable use doctrine. That's right. So now a property owner or someone who's diverting water. A superior property owner. Yes. Uh, they, they have to make a reasonable use. They cannot treat surface water as a, quote, common enemy, right? That's that's my reading of Pendergrass. Yeah. Right. So. To, to, to drill down now on your specific claims, mm -hmm. uh, do you agree that the city would have the ability to 
divert the surface water in a reasonable way. I, I, th I think that's a fair statement, yes. Okay. So now... They would have the right to do that, to not... It reasonable is to not harm a reasonable way is to not harm the inferior landowner. Right, and but we all know we all know water runs downhill. It's, yes. it's based upon the lowest grade. Even so me and opposing counsel, I think, can agree. It's going to it's going to travel to the lowest point. Yes, your honor. And your depressions that are left in the absence of the dams being gone are, are the lowest points now, right? That's fair. So when we look at the claims that you're I want to be sure where all your claims were dismissed under a Rule 12 dismissal, correct? Well, we, we, we're in the unenviable position of guessing what, uh, what, 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 what Honorable Pittman did, but he, the, the motion was all, I believe it was all Rule 12. It One was collateral estoppel and the balance were Rule 12. Let me ask you but, this, but, but they were, look but, at the record. Had the city responded to your state tort complaint was there an answer filed by the city? For condemnation? Wait, wait. On any, on, did the city answer your complaint by, by an answer? Uh, was an answer filed? No, sir, it has not been. So the motion to dismiss was made s strictly on your complaint? That's right. So it's not a Rule 12C. Everything here is Rule 12B. I believe so. Yes, sir. In the motion to dismiss is in the record. Right. And it, 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 it says all claims should be dismissed for collateral estoppel based on Dud's Devers order. And then the balance is 12B, but, but it's intertwined. Some are for this, some are for that. You, you, you get my drift. So if it, that would be as a matter of law under 12B. It would. So where are the factual issues that you have to show that still remain? To, to get to to survive the rule 12b dismissal well I, I think most of all the determinations of these 12b issues are factual I mean we're talking you're talking about causation um, for one um, uh, that just a glaring issue is fact-based but but to, in 12b personal jurisdiction um, you know, so statute of limitations would fall under the 12B6, for instance. Would, would sovereign immunity fall under that too? Yeah, that would be a defense under 12B6, not personal jurisdiction, yes, yes. So basically, regardless, we will have to look at each one of those individually. Is that fair? That's fair, but I would like to add that you know, the way the motion to dismiss was filed was, was the, the opposite side relied heavily on facts. I mean, that's how it was presented to Judge Pittman. And I don't want to intrude too much. Yeah, we're, time. we're I know, or his and right. hers. But uh, and they had their 30 minutes, and I just want to make sure Fair you enough. have adequate time. The last thing I want to ask you was you, your clients had their own expert witness, too, correct? That's correct, Doug Jewell. Okay. So can, can I also add this? He was not introduced, or we did not move for him to be an expert. We were fortunate enough to have the head of the stormwater. Manage, managing the head manager of the stormwater division, not to sidetrack, but it's noteworthy. Um, he was retired from the city of Fayetteville, but had been the stormwater who ran it. And his testimony is, was invaluable. And as you'll find in the record, he also had exhibits of all the NS4 
and how the you know how everything works in that. So that was sort of two experts. There's only reason I was say right. that. You have about eight and a half minutes left. Do you want to reserve that? Let me, John, let me ask a procedural sure. question real quick. Just on this motion to dismiss. Obviously, we don't have an answer, so we don't have affirmative defenses, which usually collateral estoppel, right. statute of limitations, statute of repose. Mm -hmm. Those things are, are typically affirmative defenses that need to be raised. I only see, and maybe I'm missing it in the defendant's motion, a collateral estoppel being raised. Was the statute of limitations raised at any point below? I mean, it, it was, I don't know that it was briefed. It's, it's in, it's in, it, I'll tell you what, it's only in one. If you look at the motion to dismiss. And I, like I say, I might just be, be reading over it. I haven't read it. Yeah, the motion to dismiss, the statute of limitations Oh, I see it now under it's, B. It's only, okay, thank it's, you. But it's only as to it's only as to condemnation, inverse condemnation. See, that, that's the point. They didn't even raise it. They didn't. They did not raise it. Did they to, argue it at the like, hearing? Not as to, I don't. I don't believe so as to continuous trespass and continuous nuisance. It was just as to you know. But as you know, these arguments evolve. But without with, without Judge Pittman's, you know, these twelve B twos and ones and sixes, particularly one and two need to have statement of facts adopted by the court and a conclusions of law, and he, he did not did not provide those. So again, we're sort of, it's, it's odd as you can imagine, you've been in this situation as the appellant, we're appealing, but we're sort of trying to guess why, you know, try to address all their arguments and then have to, you know, that's why the reply brief is helpful in this, through this procedure, but how about I pass hey, the Thank you, uh, I appreciate it, thank you. Okay. Uh, one last thing as you're sitting down. Um, yeah. You, there was no request made of Judge Pittman to make those That's findings. correct, Your Honor. Thank you. May it please the court. We're going to focus our time on two independent legal defects to this second bite at the apple, second lawsuit brought with the exact same allegations of acts and omissions against the city. Uh, the only difference is in the second lawsuit filed in state court, they took the federal takings claim out because that claim had been dismissed by Judge Dever. Uh, and and, and I guess you, were, you would certainly agree that Judge Dever's order uh, did not adjudicate any of the state tort claims or any of the state claims that were asserted in state court, correct? No, no, we certainly didn't, but you know, we're all, we're back to a first year Civ Pro, right? Claims preclusion, issue preclusion. If you look at the motion to dismiss, race judicata has nothing to do with the motion to dismiss. It's all issue preclusion. Now, what I just heard from my good friend a few minutes ago is the argument that he should have made to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, reversing or asking for a reversal of Judge Dever's order. Well, Judge Dever's order says, and I quote on page 53, plaintiff's remaining claims involve seven hotly contested and unsettled issues of state tort law. Key is word that, there. Is that a finding? <laughs> no, but the key word there is law, okay? And I, I clerked many years ago for a federal district court judge. I'm not surprised he did that. I mean, they have, as I'll present, a fundamental defect in this case, which is lack of causation. What do they seek to recover here? Repair their dam and dams, 
paragraph 19 of the complaint. Okay, when did the damage occur? During Hurricane Matthew. You're from the area, you know what that meant. Over 11 inches of rain in a 24-hour period, over seven inches of rain in a six-hour period. So how is this attributable to the city of Fayetteville, either acts or omissions of the city of Fayetteville, as opposed to it was just the big hurricane? But don't they contend that the damage is ongoing now because even though the lakes are no longer there, the city still continues to dump water on this property? Okay, this illustrates the point of collateral estoppel. Just because Judge Dever said, I'm not going to rule on the state law claims, that doesn't mean issue preclusion doesn't apply. It doesn't mean you have to look back at the federal case and determine what issues were resolved. And the question here is, were all issues of causation presented to Judge Dever, argued to Judge Dever, and adjudicated by Judge Dever? And the answer is yes. So Judge Tyson, even though he said, I'm not going to get to these issues of state law, you don't get to them because they got to adjudicate necessarily all their issues of causation in federal court. So you don't get to those state law claims. Let me ask you this. Does the city or any other government, in the absence of an easement, have the right to dump water on a private property owner's property? So you asked about that case law. Cities are no different than any other landowner in terms of their infrastructure. They do have a right to divert water. Right. And what the case law says, provided it does not result in substantial injury. So, I mean, we don't, we don't contest that that's, that's the case. And you're not, you're not asserting that, that the, the city acquired an easement to dump the water on the plant? I rely on the fact that the city didn't get an easement. I mean, if, if we even get to these issues of duty, can we get down to brass tacks? What's this about? These are dams that were built for amenities back in the early 1960s by developers. They're private lakes. There's no access to the public. Not built for flood storage purposes. Never maintained in compliance with dam safety standards. They're the owners. At any point, did the city do anything such that the responsibility for the fact that these dams were non-compliant and were going to get overtopped when the big one hit did that ever get transferred from them, the owners, to the property owners at large in Fayetteville by virtue of something the city did? Well, let me ask you that, because the dam sat there undisturbed for 30, 40, 50 years. Yes, sir. And once the city annexed the property and started collecting stormwater into a stormwater system, right. as opposed to having open ditches that allowed the, land, the water to percolate as opposed to being gathered and directed. Yes, sir. I don't think there's any dispute that's what the city of Fayetteville did. Right, but the municipalities do not become responsible for all stormwater infrastructure upon annexation. And I agree with that, but in terms of letting the water to disperse naturally through uh, ditches and absorption at the point, as opposed to having a point collection system and then piping that down. Right. I guess that's the question I'm asking. Right. I agree with all of that, but I hope you see that my point is all of this was litigated in front of the federal court. I know the federal court only adjudicated the federal takings claim, but the federal court adjudicated 
all of their allegations that there's some connection of any act or omission by the city and how it managed stormwater to their damages. What do you say about what's continuing to go on today? I'm glad you asked that question. It illustrates what I'm talking about. Look at page 17 of Judge, you can look at it later if you need to, but Judge Dever's order. He addressed this very point. Their allegation that since the, the hurricane that we are dumping uh, water on dry lands causing significant damage. This illustrates why they are collaterally stopped from asserting any of these allegations of any act or omission by the city. And let me go further. Under their view, they're partially excluded or there's partial issue exclusion. In other words, they're only uh, collaterally stopped from asserting that any affirmative act by the city caused their damage. What did we just read? That's an allegation of an affirmative act by the city, dumping water on their properties. They had their day in court on that. What did they argue in federal court? This is why we made the motion to you yesterday, so you could see the complaint and the summary judgment briefs that they filed in opposition to our motion in federal court. What did they plead? Look at the 1983 claim. 1983 claim, page 15 of their complaint. The acts and omissions of the defendant have caused the plaintiffs to be deprived of their property rights. What did they argue on summary judgment? As a result of the city's failure to perform any maintenance or make any improvements to its stormwater infrastructure, the dams were overtopped and destroyed or significantly damaged. They had their day in court on that. And, and the fact that he only adjudicated the takings claim makes no difference. You still have to apply uh, collateral estoppel, essentially what they're arguing to you, and this is what you'd have to accept. Um, yeah, we argued acts and omissions in front of Judge Dever, but it wasn't really necessary for Judge Dever to address those questions. It turns out we were overly inclusive in what we were arguing, since the issue on a federal takings claim is federal is, is government action. So that when the judge never addressed those arguments about causation, it was just dicta. It's not dicta when a court addresses the allegations and the arguments that are presented by the party. You can't present those issues to a judge, lose on them, and say, well, it turns out he really didn't need to address that anyway. Again, let's keep claims preclusion and issue preclusion separate. This is an issue preclusion case. Let me give you, just to a pro typo, we were talking about, you know, should he have taken this up to the Fourth Circuit. Would you agree there's, there's two theories in the federal district court's order? There's, um, it has to be an act, an omission doesn't count, and there's not causation. Do you agree that, that those are both present in this order at least? They might be intertwined, 
but they're both at least present. In Judge Dever's order. In Judge Dever's order. Yeah, I mean, why? I mean, he framed the issue on page nine. The city contends that the plaintiff's allegations of stormwater mismanagement was not approximate cause of their damages. The reason he framed it that way is that's what they asserted. Okay. So if it went to the Fourth Circuit, and the Fourth Circuit decided to affirm Judge Dever's on the... um, it must be an act, not an omission yeah. for federal taking. And dismisses the other causation issues as moot. And just doesn't even bother reviewing that. Would this order have collateral estoppel effect since yeah. there wasn't ever any review of that determination since it wasn't necessary to affirm the order? Yeah, they still had their day in court. They still had their day in court on all of their allegations of alleged mismanagement. Um, they didn't have to do it that way. They could have gone to federal court with a simple physical invasion. You've invaded our property. You're depriving us of our property use. Not got into any of this alleged failure, the state court stuff. They chose a kitchen sink approach in federal court. Throw it all at Judge Dever. They had their day in court on all of that. And it, to me, it's pretty simple. Um, back to first year Civ Pro. You had your opportunity. You were heard on all of it. And you have to live with the consequences. You, you could appeal him, but what you can't do is, is back up and come into state court, file the exact same lawsuit without the federal takings claim, and say that you're going to get a redo. You don't get a redo on any of it. If we disagree with you and we take the plain language of Judge Dever's order that's dismissed without prejudice and that is very hotly contested. If we look at that paragraph in his order and say no, that that order by its own terms preserves the state law claims to be adjudicated in state court. Okay, I know that's not your argument, but let's just say that's where we are. Can you take it from there? Yeah. Um, First of all, in order to do that, I will respectfully submit you have to confuse raised judicata with collateral estoppel. Um, then they run, even if they get over the collateral estoppel bar, which is the I'm first I'm having a problem where a judge expressly did not rule on something that would, that, that failure to rule would preclude them when he expressly says they have the right to bring them without prejudice. Right. If you don't accept my collateral estoppel argument, even though it's clear on the face of his order, comprehensive order, that he addressed each and every one of their alleged acts of remission, which they've reasserted in this case. If somehow that happens, then they're going to run headlong into what Ms. Gum is going to address, which is, okay, let's take your state court, second, your second bite of the apple, you are alleging essentially an intrusion on your property. You are asserting a state inverse condemnation claim. Clear, clear law, what she's going to go into, I don't want to steal her thunder, is that's an exclusive remedy. You can't tack on all these common law claims with your claim of state inverse condemnation. And this gets Judge Murphy to the statute of limitations. There's no question that the two-year statute of limitations on that claim made it. I mean, uh, expired. I want to, if I can, just Let me finish. ask you this, is, is dumping water 
on another person's property, is that a trespass? Not necessarily, no. It, de it depends upon the circumstances. So where, where is it a nuisance claim? It depends upon the circumstances. It's the reasonable use. It's what you described before, but I'm representing a municipality. We do not run from the fact that if we, if we have a pipe that's obstructed or if we cause substantial injury to someone else's property by virtue of our collection of water, there's no immunity for that. We recognize there is a common law right. The, if you look at the case law, these are, there's some cases where a city pipe gets obstructed, causes, yes, there is, there is. But you've got to get past two things to even get to that issue. One is collateral estoppel. They had their day in court in federal court. I don't know how you get past that. And if you do get past that, then you've got the exclusive remedy argument of inverse condemnation. So I would respectfully submit, while I could sit here all day and talk about the common law regarding stormwater, you don't get to it. And that's my point about Judge Dever's statement about uh, you know hot issues of state law. I would actually, I mean, it's, this it's pretty established common law. It's about old as rain. I would like to, before I turn it over to her, make one other point, if I could get back to the collateral estoppel and what was addressed by Judge Dever. By necessity, he had to consider evidence of what we would call the baseline flood. How high would the water have risen at these dams during this hurricane if there had been no government action or emission? In other words, would this have happened regardless? What was the testimony that was presented to him? That's our hydraulic analysis that shows that these dams during that hurricane would have overtopped even if that hurricane had occurred in the early 1960s, shortly after they were constructed. In other words- now This is the evidence before Judge Pittman, right? This is the evidence before Judge Dever. Okay. Let's, in the again, federal let's, case. Let, 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 Judge Pittman's order is before us. That's what we're reviewing. We're not looking at Judge Dever's order. So I guess we've got to determine what was before Judge Pittman and was that sufficient as a matter of law to dismiss all the plaintiff's claims? That's what our task is today. Yes, because what was in front of Judge Dever and all he needed was, uh, I'm sorry, Judge Pittman, was Judge Dever's order. Our argument of collateral estoppel is based on Judge Dever's order. Well, the plaintiffs brought several actions that weren't addressed by Judge Dever, right? Such as um, quantum merit and nuisance and trespass, and none of those were addressed by Judge Dever. In fact, he specifically said, I'm not going to address those because those are things that need to be addressed in state court. So if we then disagree with you that collateral estoppel applies, and we think, yes, Judge Dever was right. Those issues should be addressed in state court. Where does that put you, or you in your position now? Up to the next hurdle, which Ms. Gum is just about to reach. But let me conclude on this. Please look back at this. They had one bite at the apple. Baseline flood evidence to indicate that you, this was going to happen. There's, there's, it can't be attributable to urban growth. It can't be attributable to any municipality's failure to control cumulative impacts of stormwater. 
What was their response? Look in Judge Dever's order at what he said about Mr. Jewell. Mr. Jewell said he did not look at causation. Even though he recognized that it could be done, he didn't. In other words, there was no rebuttal to our argument on the baseline flood. You can't blame this on us or anybody else except God. Um, you get one day in court to do that, and um, you, you, you can't. So it's issue preclusion, Judge Wood. It's Let me deal, deal with two follow-ups on the causation. And I don't want to interrupt you. If you need to finish your answer here, I'll, I'll give you a chance. Um, no. Okay. Oh, I did. Yes, thank you. In light of that, let's say you remand this case. They're, they're bound by that determination that these would have overtopped regardless. What's left? I mean, that's the point. I think that's why Judge Pittman was correct in dismissing this thing, if he did so on collateral estoppel grounds, because it, it undercuts their whole case on causation. But if it would have overtoppled anyway, and you know now we're left with dry land, can't the city do something to not continue to send floodwaters onto this dry land? So how many times are we gonna have to defend that claim? Judge Dever, they, they brought it in federal court, Judge Dever directly addressed it. So, I mean, that only was dealt with, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that was not, that was under takings, right? That was under the federal takings claim, not under a nuisance, not under, you know, quantum error, not under the other theories that they raised. Isn't that right? We still get mixed up. I respectfully submit between claims and issues. He addressed the issue. Okay. He addressed the issue of causation on overtopping, right? And also that same point about um, injury to their land attributable to something the city did after the hurricane. Right. Point blank. So after the hurricane. Point blank. There. 2017 through 2117. Yeah. That's that issue here. I mean, we see the horrible damage water can do. I mean, being from Haywood County, look what happened in Crusoe and Bethel in the matter of an hour and a half three years ago was just mind-boggling. So not having this dam there or some other measure, if there's a kid playing in her backyard six years from now and a flash flood comes out, they're in a lot worse shape than they would be while these dams were still there and being maintained. So isn't that part of what they're asking for with this, I think it's their fifth claim for relief, is determination of what needs to be done for maintenance in the future? And that causation can't be determined, even if we agree with you completely on everything through Hurricane Matthew. It's not, this case doesn't seem to okay. be just about that. I need to turn it to Ms. Gum, but do this. Look at our brief on the legal duty issue. Uh, the city, in order to have a responsibility for these dams, must have adopted the dams in some formal legal manner. There is insufficient pleading on that. Um, Let's say the dams are never rebuilt and status quo as we have today is there. And you, your client, is collecting and dispersing water onto these, onto their property. Just like they did when there was a dam. Right. That's One okay. of the specific allegations that was adjudicated in 
front of Judge Dever was this dry land post-hurricane property damage. That was adjudicated in front of Judge Dever, page 17 of his order. So they don't get to argue that again. Let me turn it over to Ms. Gump. Okay. Thank you. May it please the court. My name is Stephanie Gum. Um, good afternoon, Your Honors. And I want to, I think I've, I'm going to talk about inverse condemnation as the exclusive remedy to the plaintiff's claims here and why those inverse condemnation claims are time barred. Um, but I think it might make sense to answer some of the court's questions that they've asked Mr. Johnson um, to start with. Number one, could there be a nuisance claim? Number two, could there be a trespass claim? What do we do about, and three, what do we do about the water if the water is still being directed onto the plaintiff's property? Uh, and I'm going to answer those questions in, in a way that I think might make sense for the court. Um, and I'll start with, and I just have two points for the court. First, that the 40A-51 is, is an exclusive remedy. It preempts their common law claims. Um, and second, that those common law, that their inverse condemnation um, claims are time barred. And I think that one of the, the struggles here for the, the plaintiffs to kind of grapple with is, well, how do we have a statutory exclusive remedy sitting alongside a reservation of rights in subsection C of the statute to assert a tort claim? And the answer to that is an answer that this court gave in Cape Fear Public Utility Authority versus Costa, gave in Smith versus City of Charlotte, in McAdoo versus City of Greensboro. And the answer to that is that inverse condemnation is the exclusive remedy for claims where the allegations start or state a taking. Let me ask you this. Yes. Do you agree that the statute of limitations is an affirmative defense um, and, it, can, and can be waived? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, and, I believe and, and how do you assert affirmative defenses? You assert affirmative defenses in an answer, but I would submit to the court, Your Honor, that you can also um, submit a statute of limitations defense on a motion to dismiss. And we raised the issue of the statute of limitations on our motion to, dis to dismiss in front of Judge Pittman. But only does the count to, correct? Or is there somewhere else that we should be looking other than, I'm looking at record page 31. That's correct, um, Your Honor. And, and, and I think that gets back to my point was, uh, which is if the plaintiffs here, they've stated only an inverse condemnation claim. That's an exclusive remedy. They can't state these common law claims. They're quantum merit, they're, they're nuisance, they're trespass. Are you saying it's one and done? That's right, Your Honor. And what about the continuing nature of the trespass? What about that your client is continuing even today putting water on property where they do not have an easement to do that? Plaintiffs allege that they're alleging essentially a stormwater easement, Your Honor. Um, and this court can look at the, the North Carolina Supreme Court's decision in Leah Company versus North Carolina Department of Transportation. And there, the Supreme Court sets out for us kind of a two-pronged inquiry on what's a taking claim. Well, a taking claim is where a plaintiff alleges that a, a permanent physical occupation um, and, and seeks to recover the overall general loss of property value. Now, where those claims or those allegations state those two prongs, the overall general loss of property value and the permanent physical occupation, that's a takings claim. That's an exclusive remedy. No nuisance, no trespass. That's what the court said in Smith and in McAdoo and in um, Cape Fear. But, it, but that, that claim can reaccrue each time you dump more water. 
You don't get a permanent pass a one time if you continue to violate their property rights. So the inverse condemnation statute, so again, I'll submit to the court that that's their exclusive remedy. They can't submit, they can't allege these other common law claims. The inverse condemnation statute um, subsection A sets forth the time in which a plaintiff has to bring those inverse condemnation claims. One, they get 24 months from the date of taking, or they get 24 months from the date of the property, uh, the completion of the, pro the project involving the taking. But how does each separate act account for that? If you're continuing, if you continue each separate dispersal would, would accrue a separate act, would it not? That's not what this court said in um, in a number of cases, Your Honor, and, and, and I'll go back to Leah Company versus North Carolina Department of Transportation. In that case, the Supreme Court, there was a, a flood easement that the plaintiffs alleged, a flood easement that had damaged property. Uh, I think the plaintiffs used, the appellant's counsel used the terminology today that the land is rendered useless. Well, that was similar to what the flood easement had done in the Leah Company case. Well, it had also destroyed or, or damaged some prop or apartment buildings on the property. And the Supreme Court there said, okay, well, this flooding is recurring, and it's inevitably recurring. It's going to keep, yes, it's intermittent. Yes, it's going to keep going, um, but it's inevitable. And so that's a permanent physical occupation. And that's what the plaintiffs are alleging here with their stormwater easement. It's permanent. That's, that's a taking. And they seek to recover the diminution in value of their property. That's the second prop. So if, if they as the property owner went to the point where your client's pipe enters their property, and they close it up. Would they have a right to do that? Well, if there, there, if there were a pipe, Your Honor, I, I think that's the, the second part of that statute of limitations portion of the statute, the limitations period, is 24 months from the date of the taking, which we've established is, is no later than October, or 15 October 2016 in the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew. Okay, but they don't, and they don't dispute that. What they allege on appeal is that we're, we're falling, they're, they're falling under prong two of that limitations period, the 24 months from the date of the completion of the project. But they don't allege any project. They just say, and the plaintiff's counsel referred to it as MS4, the city's stormwater management system. The, the system at large is the, is the project, and we get 24 months from that. Well, they don't say they get 24 months from that, but I'll get to that. But the project, that's too broad a definition of project, and this court said that in McAdoo. In McAdoo, a plaintiff asserted a, a claim based on an entire road widening project. And this court said, well, that would be unreasonable if we were to consider this entire road widening project as a project under 40A-51. You've got to use the discrete portions, these sections of the road widening that were completed. That's when you get uh, that, that satisfies the definition. But here the plaintiffs ask for something even more unreasonable, and that's this perpetual um, time to bring an inverse condemnation claim. And they do that based on the language in McAdoo that says a maintenance period can extend the time for the completion of a project. And here they allege, well, the city's got this perpetual duty to maintain the system's stormwater, so we can, so the statute of limitations never going to run, we can, you know, bring our inverse condemnation claim in perpetuity. But this if, if a government enlarges the dispersal, let's, let's assume that whatever happened on the day of the hurricane, that's a discrete period of time. And that's when the dam went away. But we, we're having today water, stormwater being collected and being dispersed on their property today, as we sit here today. And let's say 
that as the stormwater system expands, you're picking up more and more water through the passage of time, and you're dumping more and more water on that. Are you claiming the city would have a right to do that, to enlarge it perpetually? What I'm, I'm claiming, Your Honor, is that the city or the plaintiffs, once they realized that was happening, that's when the time began to run. I mean, again, the project they've alleged, it's not a project at all. The but it's a snapshot. Statute of limitation is always a snapshot. And if, if the city is continuing to enlarge your system and increasing the amount of dumping going on there, that's in addition to whatever happened after the hurricane. That's right. I, I see what you're saying, Your Honor. And, and that would be the Robertson case that we cite in our brief that says that for an inverse condemnation claim, the statute of limitations begins to run when the plaintiff's property first suffers injury. And here, that's no later than the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew. That's no later than 15 October 2016. It's undeniable that they waited more than two years to bring those claims. And so the city, we would ask that the city... Uh, if you need another moment, we, okay. we've intruded yeah, on your I, time. I've got... We, we will give another you another I'm, I'm moment. I'm trying to figure out. So, I don't know why the cup's such a good example today, but so this is the lake before Hurricane Matthew comes in with the dam. You've got a little bit of water in here. A regular storm comes. Is the record going to show me what, how high this usually got before it overtopped? It would, right? You'd probably fill up five, ten more feet in the lake. Um, you mean the record in the, the federal action? Yes. Um, I, I believe the hydraulic model. Mr. Johnson does know more about the, hydro, the hydraulic models. Well, there, there, there's something there that was but, but yes. the premise is correct. The lake's going to get higher. So the city of Fayetteville was anticipating being able to deposit, let's just say it's even a foot of water during a big storm. Now it's still expecting to deposit a foot of water on open land that's uncontained. How is that not a continuing problem to at least say that defendant is entitled to try to prove its case that's entitled to the relief it seeks in paragraph five of its demand for relief. An order by the court enjoining the city to create an oversight plan to manage and maintain the plaintiff's property with respect to the ability to manage and retain stormwater for the city. I mean, if you're dumping into a pool, that's a lot different than just dumping it out in the middle of the street. I totally agree with you, Your Honor. I mean, it's not the city's contention that the plaintiff has no claim. It's the city's contention that their exclusive remedy is inverse condemnation. They could have brought that and should have brought that within two years from the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew when they realized the dams failed. They overtopped. Now there's water. There's no lakes. They're gone. Now there's water pumping out on our dry lake beds. Well, that's been happening since Hurricane Matthew. And again, it's not the city's contention to deprive the plaintiffs of a remedy. It's just that here the plaintiffs waited too long to seek the remedy. That was their exclusive remedy. But is it too long for continuing trespass to seek injunctive relief? Well, An equitable remedy versus just the regular statute limitations? If you're saying, and I, I stand to be corrected, but continuing trespass, my information, and maybe it's from, from dealing with this too much in, in practice, was... You wait too long on a statute of limitations, you're not getting damages, but you can still make it stop because your injury is continuing on property you own and it hasn't been taken in from you. 
Yes, Your Honor. Well, that's, that argument is premised on the idea that you could bring a trespass claim. Well, this court in McAdoo, that property owner who had the road widening project affect his property, he tried to assert a trespass claim. This court said, no, that's not a trespass claim. That's a, a, physical, a permanent physical occupation of your property. That's an overall general loss of your property value. That is a claim that sounds only in inverse condemnation. And so it, it's not, Judge Murphy, that um, a, a question of what the plaintiffs could assert under continuing, whether there's a continuing trespass, it's a question of whether inverse condemnation was an exclusive remedy here. And the answer to that is yes. So my last question for you is, how do you deal with the situation that the incursion on private property is enlarged? Say that again, Your Honor. How do you deal with a situation when the government increases they enlarge the degree of dispersion. That's the, the, the case law that Mr. Johnson cited. That's the substantial impairment. That's the distinction between a property owner. The city as a property owner uh, can't substantially impair another property through the dispersion of water. So do you agree that if the facts would show that the amount of water the city is dispersing on on the plaintiff's property is increasing, would they be able to entitle at least to stop it? No, Your Honor, I would not. I, I don't have, um, well, not through an injunctive, uh, a claim for injunctive relief, but a claim for, um, and again, I, I stand to be corrected, but a claim for inverse condemnation. And, and, and I think that the question maybe that the court is answering, Your Honor, is, is do the plaintiffs want something different? Did the, the plaintiffs in the Leah Company case want not to have a flood easement? Did they want not to have suffered that structural damage? Probably. But the remedy here is a monetary remedy for, for taking a, an inverse condemnation claim. That's a monetary remedy, Your Honor. But the city's made no allegations that dispersal was through an easement, correct? Um, the plaintiffs have, have named some easements, um, but it's not, and I don't think it's entirely clear from the complaint, but this, it's not the city's contention that, that the stormwater easement, or that there's a stormwater easement where this water is coming from. In fact, the plaintiffs allege that, quote, virtually all the stormwater in the little rock fed, rockfish watershed is being pumped onto their properties and stored onto their properties. And so it's, it's far, whether there's an easement involved or, or they've alleged an easement, it's, it's far outside of just the scope of that easement, Your Honor. I just going to ask her if she wanted to conclude. Yeah, go ahead. Going for the conversation you and Judge Tyson were having. Let's say the city of Fayetteville now says, oh my gosh, we can save millions of dollars a year because we've won this statute of limitations case against where these dams used to be. We can pump all our stormwater there from here until eternity, no matter how big the city grows. They're not going to be entitled to any injunctive relief ever because of this inverse condemnation? That they're entitled to a theory? Your Honor, they're entitled to a new takings claim. If if the taking that was compensated for originally expands, they're entitled to a new takings claim. But here that's that I, that's gonna be in effect when there was an, a taking, when they were able to show an inverse condemnation claim. And here the plaintiffs just failed to do so. So as I understand your answer, if the city just keeps doing what the city is doing and doesn't expand the you know, of the floodwaters in, in, in any way, then the plaintiffs are forever barred 
from asserting any claim because their exclusive remedy is inverse condemnation. Yes, Your Honor. And the only way that they could then uh, bring a new claim for inverse condemnation is if the city decides to expand um, the output of the floodwaters. Well, we've got to go back and, and look, and, and I might have misspoke a moment ago, Your Honor, but we've got to go back and look at the inverse condemnation statute, the, the, the limitations period in that statute that says the date of the taking or the date of the project involving, the completion of the project involving the taking. Here, again, there's no project. So it, it, theoretically, they could go, um, maybe not under these facts, but I think under a, if there was a taking separate and apart from what they've alleged here, then they can reassert, then they could assert an inverse condemnation claim within 24 months. Then my next question is, how are they going to know that the city is dumping more water than the city was dumping previously? Well, I think that goes back to Mr. Johnson's point, Your Honor, about that the plaintiffs tried to prove that in, in the federal action, and they just couldn't. I don't, they didn't know. Um, and they actually say on their reply, in their reply brief on page 11, that they still don't know when the taking occurred. So I'm not sure that that's a, a good way for them to get around the statute of limitations that this, that this General Assembly set forth and that this court has upheld um, is just to claim that they don't know when the taking occurred. Uh, maybe we're not sure, let's litigate about it. But they've already done that, Your Honor. One last question. Do you view the loss of the dam any differently than the continuing inundation of their property? That's a good question, Your Honor. Um, I would go back to the flood easement in the Leah Company case. That's where okay. we've already okay. we're beyond easements here. Okay. We're, not, we're not talking about we don't have an easement. No, not in this case, because what the plaintiffs allege that the dams were sort of part and parcel of the stormwater destruction. I think that analogous, an analogous situation or example might be well, if the, the plaintiff in McAdoo had the road widening project. Well, and the road widening project ran over his tool shed, a fixture on the land. Now, does he, does that plaintiff property owner get to have a separate claim for the tool shed? Or is that part of the taking? Is that the diminution, if it's a fixture, if it's part of the value of the property, then that compensation would have come in the inverse condemnation claim form. And I've got one more, sorry. All right, I'll, I'll show my cards a little bit. I wasn't buying this continuous project argument. That, that plan is wrong. But by what, what's happened here in talking about how they can continue to add to it and just expand and, oh, well, inverse condemnation, so there's not going to be injunctive relief because the taking happened. With this continued expansion, talk me back from this is an ongoing project. This whole thing is managing the water and figuring out where to put it, and it's an ongoing project all the time. So that maybe that's what this is actually for. So try to talk me off of, of that thought that this continuous project idea, now given that at least this theory that just keep dumping more and more and more because we've already taken it. Yes, Your Honor. That's, I think that the best example for that is the McAdoo case where um, it, it's not, where, where that property owners tried to say, okay, I'm going to try to define this entire road widening project as, as the start of the project um, or as the project under 4851. And that's where this court said, sorry, that's just too much. 
Um, that's unreasonable. That's the term that this court used. It's unreasonable because they were looking to this, the limitations period in the statute that says 24 months from the date of the taking or 24 months from the completion of the project involving the taking. And, and the road widening project, that was too long in McAdoo. Here, there's, it's not a project. It's a system. The plaintiffs have alleged some system that they've never clearly defined. They've just said, you know, the, the city manages stormwater through a system um, was left to our imagination what that might include. I mean, in the city, surely the city knows. Is that what discovery's for? Well, um, maybe in another case, Your Honor, but here we still run into the statute of limitations problem. Um, I, again, so they either had to define a project under 4851. A road widening's too long. Well, surely if a road widening's too big, too broad, a definition of project, surely the city's um, stormwater is, is too big, or stormwater management system is too big a project. Now, in McAdoo, the, this court, had, there's some language in that decision that says, well, in this case, there was a maintenance period that applied to this road. Now, that was a fact-specific inquiry, this idea that a maintenance period could extend the date for the completion of the project, i.e. the project isn't actually completed until the maintenance period runs. That's, again, in McAdoo, that was a very specific um, time for that road. It wasn't, and, and the court did, this court did in that case say, yes, we're gonna extend the statute of limitation or we're gonna decide that the completion of the project is at the end of this maintenance period. But that was a contractual maintenance period that involved the road um, in the city here, there's nothing like that. This is just this allegation, this broad allegation that because the city owns this system and because the city manages stormwater, it's gonna have a perpetual duty. And I think this, this idea of a perpetual right to bring an inverse condemnation claim when the, General, uh, when the General Assembly has very clearly set forth statutes of limitation is just not acceptable and untenable. But you, but you do agree that injuries can be separate and distinct. I'm sorry, Your Honor? You, you do agree that injuries can be separate and distinct, that, that one injury can be a closed window, but then another injury is not covered within that original injury. You, that's a, you, I think that's fair to say. I think it's important to note here that, um, that the plaintiffs have alleged a, a single, well, they've alleged 30 years of, of uh, virtually all of this the stormwater runoff in the watershed pumping and storing onto their properties, which I, I believe we can understand from their briefing that they didn't realize maybe until or the effects of until that dam burst um, and, and their, their lakes retreated and now there's dry land. But if there were a separate, if there was something separate, yes, the city would recognize a separate claim, Your Honor. So you would ask that Judge Pittman's order be affirmed? Yes, Your Honor. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Rebuttal? Yes, Your Honor. You have another question? I don't think, I mean, you kind of cut into some of my rebuttal, but I just really have a, just a couple of quick comments. Um, you have about, I think, eight and a half minutes. Is that okay. correct? I don't anticipate taking that long unless Your Honor, or unless the court has questions. But real quick, just some, condemnation claim, it, it says statute, the, condom, the inverse condemnation claim is a statutory claim, right? It, it, section 40A, that 51C of it says specifically, nothing in this section shall in any manner affect an owner's common law right to bring an action for tort damage to his property. 
So the legislature, you know, anticipated the notion that they could carve, there's a carve out, right? So it flies directly in the face of what, what, what they appear to be saying. Um, the one thing I heard common, the theme I heard common across the, uh, these very, very well made arguments is that, and I'm gonna give a couple quotes. Mr. Johnson said, and this is what, and the city has said this before. He said, these lakes were amenity lakes, quote, they were never built for flood storage. That's what he said. The city, he's right, they weren't. They were then annexed by the city and then converted into stormwater storage lakes. They weren't built for stormwater, but the city usurped them and made them available for stormwater. I don't, I mean, why, why, that's what the city should do, right? City, what are we gonna do? Make culverts and additional infrastructure? No, we ought to use the 40 plus lakes that's in the Fayetteville area. But he's right, they weren't developed for storm flood storage. But if the city is going to become a part of and adopt a stormwater management program and fund it by the taxpayers, they'll say, hey, this lake, let's, if we're gonna dump, if we're gonna increase infrastructure, if we're gonna create increased development and funnel it into these lakes that were never built for storm, for quote, not built for flood storage, perhaps we need to investigate that. And when the NCDOT, right over here, they would examine these dams and they would send letters to my clients about these dams. And the city was copied on every one of those. He's right, they're high hazard dams. High hazard dams are, are labeled as such because if they were to breach or overtopple, the water would flow onto, you, you insinuated a child playing or a street where cars pass. They, one or more of these are high hazard dams and some of them were cited for, you know, because a, DO, a deaner, actually it's deaner, I'm sorry, would come out and inspect and say, you need to do this, you need this growing grass, the roots are growing too much into these dams, et cetera, they're weakened. City got every one of those notices. So the city was on notice about these. They were on notice about potential weaknesses in the dams. So what, what the expert report doesn't say is what lack of maintenance on these dams perhaps led to the overtoppling. They got notice on every one of those letters from Diener, and they also knew that these lakes were not built for flood storage. But the other, so that's a, that first notion is, a fa it's, it's factual. Judge Pittman didn't cite any facts. We don't know, it was, it, like you pointed out, it's law, but those are factual issues. The other, there's three of them. You asked one or both of them about the issue of the continuing nuisance, continuing trespass, trespass claim. They both said it depends on the circumstances. What are circumstances? Those are facts. Facts. Depends on what the facts are. Should we go to pentagraph? That's what I mean. That's what, those are factual analysis. Um, we don't. Mr. Pittman was was asked to make a ruling on 12b2, one and six. Not a lot of facts. We don't know if there were any facts relied on. Um, and then the third one on the factual theme is you asked Ms. Gum about what about the property on, on the issue of inverse condemnation versus the nuisance. And the issue is whether the property is deemed entirely useless. Again, factual. 
Is it deemed entirely useless? I think that's something a trier of fact should analyze. Some days it is useful. I can't hear. I can't tell you whether it's entirely useless. I mean, they could maybe turn it. They could farm it. They could. You know, a lot of the floodplains in this area. You know what they build on them? Soccer fields. Things that aren't used every day. Things that benefit kids on the weekend or whatever. And these, these are, folks. These properties all owned by the. HOA or is it private people's backyards to uh, mix together? So maybe I'm just a little bit lost on the parties and the lakes, the land where the lakes were are owned by the HOA. To his point, it's, it's true. It's like an amenity. You know, different than the it's a common area for a development. Sometimes a common area is a clubhouse and fields. This place, it was a lake. So these people, though, if you can imagine, and I, and we're, I'm going to follow up on these pictures. They have houses with docks hanging out in the middle of the space, in the middle of the air. And when this water floods, it brings in rodents, it brings in all the stuff on the streets, diapers. It is sewage essentially being dumped on their property. And before it wasn't a problem because it, the lakes were doing their job. So the system's in place. It just what happened? We have to ask ourselves what happens when four more lakes happen like this. What about five more? What about the sixth lake? There's 40 some lakes that work together, and I think we've all read about the condition of the Cape Fear River. Well, this is a floodplain right into the Cape Fear River. And if it's not, you know, this is, they actually have the biggest resources. They have these 45 lakes. Let's use them. But we, this is not a trend that needs to continue. That's Let me ask you one question. How quickly. After the hurricane, did you assert your claims? I can tell you exactly, I believe, Your Honor. So the hurricane was 16. It was, uh, you know, it expanded over a week or so. So I, you know, I remember it because my name is Matthew, so it's kind of, uh, but we, we filed the, sorry, Your Honor, I had a timeline right here. Right, you look at the complaint. So that was six October, the first week of October 2009 is when it impacted, when it hit the Fayetteville area. We filed our lawsuit. Oh, it's not there. Stand by. It uh, looks like I'm looking at record 35, at least Judge Derrick reports in his order that you filed your complaint on June 8th of 2018. Does that sound accurate? You're reading the federal order. In the federal, it's what recited, is, but I mean, it's the right, right out of the gate, the first, uh, it's June. June of 2018. June 8th of 2018. Yes, sir. And what happened in the nine years between when the hurricane came through and when you went into federal court? The nine years. I think he misspoke. You mean 2016. You said 2009, but I took that as a misstatement. No, no, I'm sorry. The hurricane is 2016. occurred October 9th of 2016. Is when they say the greatest you know, impact. You filed that. in federal court on June of 2018. Yes, Your Honor. Was it within two years? Yes, Your Honor. Is that all the court has for today? Let me what? ask one question just so I understand some of the terms real quick, and we'll try to get out of here before sure. midnight. Um, the heard the word overtopping a lot. And yeah. I keep picturing that as the water's coming over the top. 
because the, the phrase breach is used differently, different parts, in the, and we have breach of the dam. Did the trial, the federal trial court, make any determination about causation as to the breaching, or was it only over the coming over the top? It's um, and are those different things? Maybe I, I'm, I'm just wrong in how it, I'm understanding I, I, the, the terminology. You know, I, I have learned, frankly, through this case, what, what, what I guess scientifically or environmentally what occurred. And apparently, it's not a pure over-the-top because it's, it's it, you know, the water's coming in. There's a backflow that happens with earthen dams where it starts to churn and starts to eat away at it. It's because it's not as if, you know, it's not like a bathtub, I guess, would be a, maybe a poor analogy where it just overtops. It is, they watched it, you know, get eaten away. It's an earthen dam, and so it requires an enormous amount of impacting the soil and maintenance, more maintenance probably, you know, over time, but that's a good, it, but you're right, the, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's a distinction without a difference, over top breach, but that's it. But we're talking about the same event, <clears throat> not just the coming over, we're talking about the breach of the dam is what was being talked about with overtop. That's right, okay. but 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 I learned through the process, and, and I think experts identified, it's it's like a, it's an energy that starts it builds on itself. Once it starts churning at the dam, it just eats away. So, so if you go to the dams now, there's it's a big V. It's just broken through. There was one of your clients' dams that were not totally breached. Is that That's correct? correct? That is. Um, that's has that Aaron. dam been repaired? It's, it, it has, but what they've really done is intentionally just taken it, most of the waters out of it. Be, because of the damage to it, they don't want to risk. So whatever was not breached by the storm was breached later on? No, no, they, they, they just, what they've done is lower lower the capacity of the lake through the, through, through, through the drainage system. So it could happen again, but they—they're they're just storing significantly less. It still has—it's still not a—it still doesn't look good to the eye, but it's—but there is a little water left in it. That's how they've dealt with it. One more question: Are the allegations—it talks about them being there for 30 years, and that's no sense. Were the allegations that the city never did any maintenance on the dams at all, zero, or they didn't maintain them well enough in the time period between? the annexation and the, the, I, the to my, Hurricane Matthew. Yeah, they, they, I, I know the city over time, depending on, for instance, when, when they wanted to add internet access or cables, they would use the dam to bury the cables. Um, I, I don't, I can't sit here and say with any knowledge. They would bury the cables and in the dam. pack the dirt back on top? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let me just clarify. But, but as far as specifically, the dams are privately owned. They're still privately owned, correct? Well, they're on the, the, where the dams used to be is on land that's owned by the HOA. So whatever maintenance responsibility on private land would be a private owner's responsibility. I think that's kind of why we're here. So there was never anything, at least in your allegations, where the city undertook a duty to maintain. Well, when they, knew, when they knew these lakes were not originally designed for flood water and they designed 
infrastructure and installed it from other developments to guide it into this lake. Then they get, and then they became a duty. Then they, then they, in effect, they created a duty. If you want to use a garden variety negligence claim, and, and, but but yes, they never undertook any actual maintenance. I, to my knowledge, none. That's that's to my knowledge none. And, and, and just from a practical standpoint, that brings up one of the issues is that some of these neighborhoods, the affordability of maintenance and organizing that process, and it is private property, and that's sort of what we're here on the, the number five of our, what we're asking the state court to do, it, to, it was to, you know, the, to enjoin them to do something about it. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you for your time today, very much.